So over the next few weeks in January, we're doing a series on sayings that we live by, sayings from 2020. You can see some of them there. You might have already had a browse in your bulletin. You can be whatever you want to be. What goes around comes around. You've got to be true to yourself. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. Maybe you've heard some of those sayings, sayings that we live by in 2020. Today's saying is this one, you can be whatever you want to be. How do you feel when you hear that? You can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. Do you believe it? Now, in one sense, it is complete garbage because we can't be whatever we want to be, can we? If I want to be the number one batsman for Australia and Al wants to be the number one batsman for Australia, we both can't be number one. So you can't be whatever you want to be technically, but let's run with the vibe, let's, let's run with the saying for a bit because as a saying to live by, it's got a lot going for it because in a culture where we are quick to put people down, a little bit of encouragement goes a long way, doesn't it? You can do it. I know you can. You've got this. I believe in you. I've had words like that that have been very encouraging to me in the past. And this saying is just taking that encouragement and that optimism and implying, applying it to all the goals in your life. You can be whatever you want to be. Uh, a few years ago, I read this book, Learned Optimism, Martin Seligman. Great little book. He says that optimists, people with a can-do attitude, are more likely to do better in almost every area of life. So optimists, they're more likely to succeed at work, they're more likely to do better at school, they're more likely to be healthier, they're less likely to get depression. And optimism turns out to be a good predictor of success in sport. Because according to him, optimism and pessimism, the way you view life, are self-fulfilling. So if you say, I can't do this, you probably won't give it a go and you'll never succeed. But if you say, I can be whatever I want to be, you know, and you start to believe it, you'll actually try more things and you'll stick at things for longer. And if you try more things and stick at things for longer, you'll probably do better. So you can be whatever you want to be could and probably will make your life more successful in many ways. So why don't we find this kind of idea all through the Bible? Why isn't the Bible full of tips for positive thinking and 10 steps to make your business thrive or how to be healthy and successful and wealthy in life? Why isn't the Bible full of this kind of You can be whatever you want to be, advice. Well, to help us understand that, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, which was just read. It's a pessimistic book, let me warn you. But Martin Seligman says we need pessimists as well as optimists because optimists see the the, uh, opportunity and everything. Pessimists are more realistic. They're more in touch with reality. So... Ecclesiastes is a real reflection on life. It's thinking about success and achievement and getting what you want. 
And if you can be whatever you want to be is about being successful, if it's about achieving a certain outcome or position in life, Ecclesiastes says that's not a big enough thing to live for. Because success, in the end, it's empty. Be all you, you want to be, it's not as good as it's made out to be when you get there. You might find that out. So turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labour at which he toils under the sun? So right at the start of the book of Ecclesiastes, right there in verse 3, we are introduced to the big question of this book. That's the question, verse 3. What does a man or woman, a human being, gain from all the labour at which they toil under the sun? What's the point to all that we do? Where's it going? And the answer's right there at the front too, in verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Ecclesiastes wants to say, whatever it is that you're chasing, whatever it is that you want to be, whether it's building uh, your company up to be the biggest in Dubbo, whether it's to do well in your job, whatever that is, whether it's becoming partner and owning the company, whether it's a health goal, whether it's getting your garden looking nice, whether it's gaining a certain qualification, even if you do pull it off, if you get there, if you do get to be whatever you want to be, Ecclesiastes is saying, so what? Who cares? In the big picture of things, what difference will it make? Because Everything in this world, including your life and whatever you do, it's so temporary. Our lives, they're so insignificant. Look at verse 4. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. See, from our little perspective, what we do seems so important, but compared to everything else in this world that's gone on before us and will go on after us and how long this world has been spinning, our lives are so small. So if you step back and look at the big picture, life's actually just very monotonous and repetitive. Look at verse 5. The sun rises and the sun sets and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome more than one can say. So you get up, you go to work, or whatever it is you're doing the day, you go home, you go to bed, you press repeat, you get up the next day, you go to work, you do whatever it is you do, you come home, you go to bed, you do it the next day, and on and on it goes, wearisome. But what's it all for? I used to have a little pet mouse, and I had one of those little treadmills in his cage, We're like that little mouse running on that treadmill. That little mouse, he's running his heart out, but he doesn't realise he's going nowhere. And so you can be whatever you want to be. It's like putting a little bit of cheese in front of that mouse saying, come on, you can do it, run faster, go, go, go. And that little mouse, he runs faster and he runs, but the treadmill, 
it's spinning faster, but it's going nowhere. It's just going round in circles. That's what Ecclesiastes says life is like. Verse 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, if you think that's a pessimistic view of life, it gets worse because it's not just that we're going round in circles. We're going round in circles until we die. Then it's all over. And then we'll be replaced by another mouse and no one will remember the first mouse. Look at verse 11. There's no remembrance of men of old. And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Who's heard of James Samuels? Anyone? I'm taking a risk here. One person. Well done, Malcolm. Who was he? You can't remember. (laughs) We didn't set this up, did we? He was the first mayor of Dubbo. There you go. Who's heard of Chris Watson? He's a big one. He was the third Prime Minister of Australia. Come on, people. What about Kenneth Eastwood? No, earlier, earlier. Good guess. He was the opening batsman for Australia in 1971, the year I was born. They're just the famous ones. They're the ones who've made it. And we don't even remember them. What about everyone else? What about the other 20 million of us? We're just a breath. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow and it is all so temporary. And that's not all that's temporary according to Ecclesiastes. It's not just that our lives are temporary. Within our little temporary lives, that feeling that you get, that nice feeling when you do make it and you think, yeah, I've done it, that's temporary too. Listen to what Ecclesiastes says about actually getting there. Don't look it up. Stay in chapter 1. I'm just going to skip ahead to chapter 2, verse 9 on the screen there. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. This is King Solomon speaking one of the most successful men in the Bible and in the history of the world. And he's got everything he wants. He's king of Jerusalem. All the other kings are coming to visit him. He's so famous. And what's his conclusion? Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. When you get there, it's not what it seemed it would be. Trivial Pursuit. I'm not um, great at it, but I have a go every now and then. This was invented by three guys, Chris, Scott and John. In 1979, they were sitting around at the table with nothing to do and they wanted to have a game of Scrabble, but they couldn't find the Scrabble set. And so Chris says... Quote, this must be the sixth Scrabble set I've bought. I'm always leaving them somewhere or losing the pieces. There must be a lot of money in games. Why don't we invent one? So right there and then, those three guys made up Trivial Pursuit. And then for the next year, they worked flat out. They worked their day jobs, but then they researched 6,000 trivia questions. They designed the game. They got all the board printed. And four years later... It had taken off and they sold $800 million worth of Trivial Pursuit. Now, what's it like 
to have that kind of a dream come true, to get there overnight. This is what Chris said in an interview. It may seem like a great life, but when you're this serious about your fun, it stops looking like recreation. If you set yourself a goal, earning a million dollars by the age of 30, and get it, what then? What then? It's almost like the worst thing is to get there. That's Ecclesiastes 2.11. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. But that's not all that's wrong with be whatever you want to be. It's not just that um, getting there is the problem. There's a bigger problem. We're up to point two on your outline there. The bigger problem is life's actually not fair. So not everyone can be what they want to be. See, some people do believe in themselves and they work hard. And for some people, it does bring success. They're the ones who write the books, you know, 10 ways to be successful. But others work hard and it doesn't work out and they've worked just as hard. And it's not because of a bad decision they made or anything they did wrong. It's it's because there's something wrong with this world. So let's continue on in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and now we're up to verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven on earth. See, What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. And here's his conclusion, verse 15. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. According to the writer of Ecclesiastes, this world is like a stick that is twisted and it can't be straightened. Sometimes... We can try as hard as we like to make something work and it just doesn't happen. You can dedicate your entire life to be what you want to be and you never get there. Maybe someone cheats you. Maybe you get a debilitating sickness and all your plans are put on hold. Maybe you just don't have it in you. hate to say that. The point is, be whatever you want to be, it doesn't always work. This is put real starkly in Ecclesiastes. This is from chapter 9, verse 11. Look at it on the screen, you don't have to look it up. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. It's like what Sarah said in the kids' talk, there are things outside of our control. Victor Chang one of Australia's best heart surgeons. Did you know his mother died of cancer when he was 12? And so at 12 years old, he decided that he would dedicate his life to helping save lives. So he decided to become a surgeon. 
And he did. He studied hard. He worked hard towards that dream. And he got there, didn't he? He was a great man. He started the first heart transplant unit at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. And I can remember, still, when it was on the news, when he performed the heart operation on this young girl, 14, the first heart operation on someone that young. It was the fourth heart transplant done in Australia, and he saved her life. I checked, she's still alive. She had a 35th anniversary of her heart transplant just this year. Victor Chan, incredible man. Here's the thing. At the peak of his career, right when he was working with his team to design an artificial heart, he was shot dead outside his home in a botched attempt to kidnap him for money. And if you read from the article from when he died, preparing to kidnap the beloved doctor for ransom, the Malaysian nationals rammed Dr Chang's Mercedes-Benz, then demanded he get in their car. When Dr Chang refused, Liu panicked, shot the doctor twice in the head. It was actually, it wasn't meant to be that way. It goes on, he was a young surgeon who could have done so much more. The loss, you just can't describe how enormous it was. That's Ecclesiastes. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Time and chance happen to them all. That's Ecclesiastes. That's this world that we live in. So if you make you can be what you want to be your life's motto, it's setting you up for disappointment because life is not fair. But even if you are one of the lucky ones who make it, perhaps it's not as great as you think it is. Now, if you think that's uh, giving the saying a hard rap, wait till we get to the New Testament. Because there's a third way, reason why you can be whatever you want to be is not a great saying to live by. It's the third point in your talk there. And this is much more sinister. See, you can be whatever you want to be. At its heart is sin. You can be whatever you want to be. At your heart, it's actually pride and arrogance. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark 8, 38. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's about to die. And as we listen to these words of Jesus, I want you to just have in the back of your head and compare them to, you can be whoever you want to be. And if that's your life motto, I think you'll find these words of Jesus very jarring against that. Mark 8, 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? 
See, life is not about be whatever you want to be. Life is about being what God made you to be. Way back in the book of Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, God made Adam and Eve. He put them in a perfect garden. It wasn't broken. It wasn't twisted. It was beautiful. It was good. And they had everything they needed and they're in a perfect relationship with God. That's what God made us to be. Satan came along and he said, no, that's not enough. You can be whatever you want to be. Now, they weren't his exact words, but that was the meaning, wasn't it? God had given them everything they needed, but Satan said, no, that's not enough. God's holding out on you. You can be more. You can be like God. Don't you want that? And that's the lie that they believed that broke their relationship with God. And that lie, you can be whatever you want to be. Don't listen to God. Satan continues to speak that lie. Read on in the Bible. In Genesis 11, all of humanity joined together to uh, try and build what is called the Tower of Babel that reaches to heaven. And it's all about we can be whatever we want to be. We can make a name for ourselves. We're great. And that lie has worked its way down to every human being on this planet. It says to us, we can be who we want to be apart from God. You don't need God. You can have everything you want without him. Is there ever anyone who didn't believe that lie? There was one person. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it'll all be yours. This is Satan saying to Jesus, you can be whatever you want to be. You can have it all. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, Jesus' life, it was not about what he wanted. Jesus said to his father, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus gave up his life. Jesus gave up everything. He became nothing for us. So that we can be forgiven for our pride and our arrogance in thinking that we can do life without God. And when you realise that, when you realise that you can be what you want to be leads to death, when you realise that life is about being what God wants you to be, this actually sounds hollow. It sounds pathetic. It's the opposite to the best way of life. Because life to the full, life what we were made to be, true joy, that comes from being what God wants us to be. Life is not about success. It's about being in a relationship with God. Knowing your creator, being forgiven by him. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It is the complete opposite 
of you can be whatever you want to be. Jesus says, deny yourself. Leave your ambitions behind and live for him. Now, way, way back at the start, I said that in a culture of putting people down, a little bit of encouragement goes a long way. And that's true, okay? So don't go away from this talk saying, oh, I can't ever say anything positive to anyone. No, encourage someone. That's a great thing to do. And if this comes up in conversation, which it probably will, okay, this is a saying from our culture. In fact, I had a friend lend me a book last year called The Secret, if you've ever come across that. It is all about this. It is about the universe helping you to be whatever you want to be. Okay, don't just come back at them and say, oh, this is stupid. Because we are just one question away from a conversation here on what life is really about. So if this comes up in conversation, why don't you ask someone, what is it that you want to be? What are your deepest dreams? Do you reckon you'll get there? Do you think there's a purpose in life? Do you think God made people for a purpose? Do you think there is a God who made us? See, we're only one question here away from a very good conversation. But in terms of making this your motto to live by, well, you can be whatever you want to be. It is the complete opposite of what's best for us. Don't aim this low. Don't aim for something this empty and this unfulfilling. We were made for so much more. We were made to lose our lives serving the one true God who made us. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Jesus and the gospel will save it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that into a world that is so obviously twisted and broken and has its moments of disappointment, thank you that you speak to us and you give us words of hope and of something that will last into eternity, a relationship with you. Father, help us to build our lives on the truth of that, the truth of your son and what he did for us, and not to build our lives on things that won't last. Amen.